I would like to invite you to listen to my conversation with uh, UC Parica. A conversation took place during Transmediale Festival in Berlin between February 3rd and February 7th. Lucy Parika is a media theorist, writer and professor in technological culture and aesthetics at Winchester School of Art at University of Southampton. Parika has published widely on digital culture, media theory and visual culture. His work on media archaeology has gathered a lot of positive international attention and awards. Parika's books include 2007 Digital Contagions, a Media Archaeology of Computer Viruses, 2010 Insect Media, an Archaeology of Animals and Technology, 2012 What is Media Archaeology, and finally 2015 A Geology of Media. UC Parika was a guest at this year's Transmediale Festival. He moderated several festival events, including uh, Anxious to Share and Anxious to Make stream. He is currently working on several projects, including on Humanities Lab with Laurie Emerson from Boulder, Colorado, and Darren Weschler from Concordia. Later this year, he's booked on Insect Media, will be translated uh, and available in Polish. First of all, thank you for uh, being here with me and talking to us. Uh, we are at Transmediale, and I wanted to ask you how uh, how do you read this year Transmediale theme, a conversation piece, and its four mainstreams, anxious to make, anxious to share, anxious to act, uh, and secure? Well, thank you for having me. Um... Like every year, Transmediale seems to be coming up with these themes that are at first a tiny bit puzzling, but then you start really getting into what they're thinking. On one hand, we're actually a part of Transmediale in the sense that we're partners since several years now, so we've kind of got also an insider track in terms mm-hmm. of how these themes develop. And this year, it was for a while, we already knew for a while that it's going to be slightly less exhibitions and slightly, le- uh, slightly more talking talking in the sense of actually giving platform for various voices in discussing the most anxious, anxiety to discuss the most crucial issues that have to do with digital culture and activism. So the anxiety is in the sense of, like earlier years as well, of trying to develop an understanding of also this, let's say, critical and also negative issues of digital culture. For years, Transmediale has been talking about issues of surveillance, and uh, the various issues that emerge at the Snowden leaks, the various issues around data and privacy, etc., etc. And uh, this year it kind of become also more focused in terms of that as well. So conversation piece is about providing platform and time and space for conversation with new formats this year emerging as well, like the panic room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so testing out slightly different ways of getting people together and getting the massive experience of expertise of people who anyway come to Transmedial every year, from activists, artists, to ad- academics, media theorists like myself. So for myself, it's always been a platform where I'm not only talking, I'm actually very happily listening in, because it's, it's for me an educational week. It's really educational into the most burning topics of digital culture and um, 
activism, but also, of course, art. It emerged as an art festival and it continues as an art festival, but with new variations, I would say. And uh, that's, that's, to me, one of the key um, interesting things about the festival. In terms of the streams, I think they're a good cross-section in terms of, again, one could say some of the more specific discussions here, as well as, like, I would dare to say plant global issues in terms of, again, digital culture, broadly understood, security, and how through the various national and international, you know, um, 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 mechanisms of security, we're actually producing a new sort of an insecurity that is visible, on, again, on a European level with the emergence of uh, really strong right-wing movements and other sorts of utterly disgusting things that we have uh, see, see happening across to various other kind of themes. Again, quite particular to digital culture, like sharing and sharing economy, but also trying to find really creative, really alternative ways to the mm -hmm. mainstream Silicon Valley discourses. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, to summarize a bit as well, Transmediale is a good platform for alternative voices to digital culture and, and at least, and this is more of a personal opinion, but I think many people would share that as well, is, is, is I'm very bored of listening to Silicon Valley sort of a marketing hype. Mm -hmm. I need something more interesting. I need really something more of a positive um, take, the positive in the sense of kind of a creative and, and, and critical take to um, the issues we're facing. I would agree that uh, mm. uh, that the stream uh, Anxious and Secure was brilliant. Mm. It was uh, David Lyon and James Bridle uh, among uh, keynote speakers and um, mm -hmm. that was uh, actually really good. Um, talking about anxious to anxious to share and anxious mm. to make, would you agree that it was it was focused on a subject in some kind of state of panic or inertia, and paralyzed by the notion that there is no escape or mm. from the system? We will say late capitalism, mm -hmm. and uh, the ethos uh, like hacker maker mm -hmm. do it yourself uh, culture and spaces, former spaces of mm. experimentation and openness like laboratory mm. and think tanks um, have mm. been digested into mm. system and eventually mm. uh, complementary to it. Mm. Is it the point where uh, the, the anxiety comes from? That's a very good perception. I think it's a very perceptive way of putting it. There's definitely a theme, again, in terms of the seemingly such a massive level infrastructures that make us paranoid and anxiety suddenly like we're living in a Thomas Pynchon novel where this feeling of constantly being surveilled the knowledge that we have of the the scale of the various measures that again nation states are taking but also internationally active surveillance agencies and others that's one context and yet at the same time as you said there is a kind of a thread that in the context of media art, for instance, which is of our interest and experimental practices, we are growing more and more aware again that it's not merely an innocent platform of experimentation, that these techniques that used to be avant-garde techniques for a long while have a long history of institutional affiliation with a lot of government and military and other sorts of uh, bodies and agencies. So there's a kind of a thread in terms of the media history that we, we discussed, for instance, in our laboratory panel, um, how a lot of talk about indeed think tanks mm -hmm. and laboratories. 
um, emerge in a Cold War situation and with those specific kind of, a, um, you know, um, contexts. And that's something that we need to be aware when we are discussing the things that we want to find as an alternative to the current world. So in terms of, of the new post-industrial production mechanisms that have to do with maker movement and 3D printing and others, these are super interesting things and these are things that we need to look at as alternative forms for various reasons, from environmental reasons to political reasons to, to um, 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 etc. But at the same time being aware of how these might be sometimes conditioned by again larger contexts in terms mm -hmm. of where does the funding come, where, what, what are the infrastructures of these maker movements etc etc and how these also might be quite often captured by rather rather narrow and politically troubling um, again Silicon Valley type um, or uh, corporate discourse as well. Mm -hmm. This is not me being kind of a old-fashioned um, you know um, I might be old-fashioned but I'm not in this case I'm not old-fashioned believe me. Um, 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 cynic that all that Silicon Valley does is wrong, mm. but it's de facto a very dominant capture of something that has much more potential that we mm -hmm. um, learn from Silicon Valley and on a political level, and uh, that's why that's why I'm kind of interested in the questions, and that's why also that it is it is this weird back and forth movement that this sort of uh, things whether it's, it's in terms of concrete making and critical ideas, whether it's art practice or design practice, that they seem to be things that we need because we, we are aware of the situation, but yet at the same time we kind of realize that also they are easily corrupted. So it is definitely a back and forth movement and there's no kind of a one solution that mm -hmm. seems to be satisfying and it's definitely an ongoing process instead of a solution that we found into that those problems that are problems of contemporary capitalism that that we also, as we learned in the laboratory panel, the idea that, you know, give artists some space and experimentation and they'll solve the problem. Well, we need to be critically aware in arts and design and they are significant in terms of political issues, but it's not going to be, I don't think that experimental spirit per se is going to save us from, you know, the massive issues that we got in terms of geopolitics, environmental issues. Um, um, the, the, the disasters of capitalism, the disasters of what nation states are doing in Europe in terms of politics. Um, it's not a dismissal, but it's a kind of awareness in terms of where we fit in and try to find a way to do that. As, as again, I kind of a, quoting some of the words of the panel as well, that we need to be quite critically self-aware mm -hmm. and let's not be naive either. We need to be very aware and we need to be staying quite affirmative and optimistic, but let's not be naive either. But uh, since we are, it's the last day of the festival, mm. I haven't been attending all of the editions, mm. uh, previous editions, but even uh, last year I thought that there was a little bit more optimism, I would say, perhaps, mm. and hope. And this year was a little bit, um, was marked by this dissatisfaction of, as you said, a commodification of sharing economy by mm. products like Airbnb or Uber mm. and this um, avant-garde movement that's been captured by mm. a Silicon Valley uh, ideology and um, and that anxiety and panic might come from this place mm. that we built some kind of structure, developed a, a language and uh, all these wonderful projects that has been, mm. again, 
recaptured by by the system. Mm, mm. This is the, that was mm. my that was my feeling. On the one hand, yes, exactly. It's, it is you know in terms of talks and other sorts of um, you know um, positions people are taking, and yet at the same time, one significant thread again running through is that there's a lot of activity. There's workshops. There's kind of a very concrete technical, or well, not technical skills, but let's say critical skills workshops, whether it has to do with mapping and other sorts of things. So there is also a lot of, in that sense, sharing happening. And that's, to me, still, you know, we wouldn't be interested in those things unless we still felt that we want to be engaged, we want to do things. And it's, you know, it's the refugee situation in Europe as well. It feels suddenly that their situation is made into a crisis well by various troubling conservative movements and and yet at the same time we see a lot of surprising community activism uh, emerging supporting um, refugees as well and it is this double sort of a thing that people are still out there doing things mm-hmm. they're still doing things they're trying to find solutions to um, problems that are coming close to them and they're still you know there is a bit of solidarity out there so let's not get into the kind of a majority discourse either that it's only crisis and that's it it is obviously a crisis but so what 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 should we do about it mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to move uh, into another topic I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about your latest book mm-hmm. uh, geology of media and you obviously deal with uh, materiality mm-hmm. and material grounds physical grounds of media uh, on its almost molecular uh, elemental level mm-hmm. and um, unfolding uh, media through chemistry and the notion of metallurgical science. I wanted to ask if you could expand a little bit on on that idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start with something that might sound a bit too theoretical. Let's say I'm, I'm sure that this might actually fit in. Um, quite often when you go to a media studies class, and let's start with something that sounds a bit academic, but quite often when you go to a media studies class, we hear how Marshall McLuhan and other great thinkers thought about as media as extensions of man. What I've been interested in this work and also an earlier book called Insect Media is the realization that media are much more than extensions of man of the human in terms of our capacities to you know, see further, hear further, etc. etc. by way of media. Um, in Insect Media I already thought about that there's kind of a more integral connection to animals, that media are actually extending much more than human capacities, they're also extending based on what we learn about animals. And then in geology of media, I push it sort of further to something that sounds slightly abstract, but at the same time couldn't be more concrete. Media are extensions of the elemental of the earth. The most concrete way to understand is that we would take your smartphone and open it up, and don't worry, we won't do that, and start looking at what's inside that. Of course, we'll find technological components, but the technological components themselves are working based on certain specific minerals um, and other materials. And your mobile phone is a condensation of a massive amount of production supply chains of of rare earth minerals and other uh, materials, plus energy sources that are necessary to run the phone, and the infrastructures to which it is connected. And I've been thinking in terms of, I've been thinking that this book is both an entry point to some media arts topics, but also an entry point to a lot of environmental issues in in relation to media technologies. So it's a book 
about media before media becomes media. That is, all the stuff that goes into production of media technologies. This sort of a discussion of minerals, etc., etc., right? Mm -hmm. And then it's a book also about what happens to media after it starts, after it stops communicating, after media is not media in the sense of useful for us, it becomes electronic waste, it becomes a um, technological pile of garbage, so to speak, but it doesn't dip, disappear. Media never dies in that sense, it has an afterlife, it might have an afterlife in, as, a, as, a, as electronic waste, and that's why there's an, again a kind of a global um, environmental urgency to dealing with this. So I'm one slightly, this might sound slightly naive, but I think it's quite crucial for us, especially working in edu educational institutions like universities, like myself, I'm actually of the opinion that there's a couple of key themes that should run through a lot of our curriculum. Whether you're in an art school, whether you're in law studies, whether you're doing humanities, and one of them is definitely climate change. And, uh, and it's not only climate change, let's face it, it's climate disaster. It's a climate disaster that is caused by uh, specific economic practices, specific political practices, specific um, arrangements that um, arrange planetary production, production on a planetary level, but they also arrange um, production of pollution on a planetary level that usually hits hits hardest the global south and the most disadvantaged anyway. So they, you couldn't, I mean, this sounds already that, you know, we can go from your smartphone to discussion, discussion of planetary issues in a couple of sentences. That to me is the really fascinating point about this topic as a conceptual topic because I'm a media theorist, I like concepts, but I also like discussions of something that is actually relevant and urgent. Yeah, you mentioned um, Anthropocene mm -hmm. uh, in your book. Um, I guess the concept of uh, Anthropocene as a new geological era that is mm -hmm. marked by human activity yeah. is somehow already known. But can you talk a little bit about uh, Anthropocene? Yeah, um, it's, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's for a reason. So the shift from Anthropocene to Anthropopsene on a very plain level has to do with the obscenities of the modes of production that are so destructive to our natural environment as well as our social environment. So I'm thinking alongside various earlier philosophers like Felix Quatsari that ecologies exist both in terms of nature but also in terms of our social relations as well. And uh, quite fittingly Quatsari in 1980s was already talking about that all these different ecologies, mental ecology, etc., etc., they have their own forms of pollution. His, already 1980s, his example, by the way, in this context was that one of the forms of pollution is Donald Trump. Um, and we should, we should, I think we should return to those texts and understand that probably nowadays it's, we can see how clear that idea that Donald Trump is one form of, of massive pollution of, of our living worlds. And I, it's like a, the most disgusting um, um, weeds that is there, that is, <laughs> is parasitical to others, others, other people's lives. So I'm, I'm trying to track this kind of a connection between Anthropocene, but also how it connects to these um, capitalist arrangements and um, other sorts of power mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course we need to remember this thing, that um, when we 
blame capitalism it's for a reason um in a historical awareness we know what happened in relation to soviet bloc and environmental catastrophes as well um but we still need to be very much aware of of of, of the current situation and being trying to think on what level our critical concepts make a contribution to um trying to do something a tiny bit better my i don't have any illusions Media theoretical books are not going to um, change the world, but they are perhaps useful because of this, their role in, in, in um, institutions of knowledge and, and platforms like this. Um, when people come to me to ask, like, well, what is the significance of your work? You know, what is the political significance of your work? It's sometimes hard to say what it is in humanities, but for me, it's it's. My, one of my set answers is that it's not only what I say, it's where I say it. Educational institutions like universities are still the places where so many of our most brilliant minds run through. You, have a, you might have a classroom of 10, 20, sometimes even 100 students there, and they're going to be in a you know, very crucial status, in, you know, whether it's in businesses or whether it's in organizations. And if you're able to kind of work with them, to make understand of that they need to be also taking it, I think that's already pretty significant. Mm. Um, that's 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 also why I don't want to kind of a, um, despair myself. Despite I'm I'm quite often quite apocalyptic, but I don't want to despair myself or others completely because that would be exactly what capitalism wants. Capitalism wants us to be depressed, um, so we should keep that in mind. Going back to Transmedia uh, a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, you met with Turkish artist Borak Arikan uh, to discuss his project Graph Commons based on collaborative mapping. Mm -hmm. And maps and topography is also a recurring theme uh, in your in your book and in your work. And uh, I was uh, I was wondering why why the map metaphor and is uh, critical mapping a method in in contemporary theory and a practice in humanities. Yes, I think it's, it's it's becoming quite crucial and it's been crucial always. Um, let's remind us what Edward Said, the, the classic of post-colonial thinking already early on, reminded us. Um, maps are one crucial component in what he called the imperial gaze, the mechanisms of domination that are produced through visual culture. Maps give us a representation of what's out there, but they are also navigation systems that tell where we are. and who produces maps is in itself crucial. We need to decolonize uh, cartography, was Edward Said's line already early on. In a similar fashion, we need to be able to produce perhaps tools and platforms and situations in which mapping becomes a way of production of knowledge, but also production of social relationships that we find space and, and something, again, platforms for collective making and collective issue mapping of the things that might be um, quite often abstract, um, but at the same time touch also on these very concrete issues. So one of the crucial and I think urgent things that emerges in a lot of theoretical analysis, but also part of these concrete art and design projects like Burak's work is how to make abstract processes of contemporary capitalism visible because they are anyway in very material terms transforming our world. We see it by way of where we live, urban transformations. We see and we breathe in by way of air pollution. 
it is these sorts of things that are, again, perhaps like the pollution um, concept earlier, these are the things that are concretely in the air. And being able to use platforms to produce maps, produce relationships of, of let's say, corporate involvement in um, um, urban transformation, etc., etc., gives us tools that are perhaps empowering to ourselves, but they become also tools to bring to certain forums, I think, to bring to a context of discussion and interface with, let's say, policy making, to um, legal contexts, to show as a kind of evidence base as well. So there's something interesting in the connection. I don't know if you heard that, but the um, wonderful keynote um, that Ayal Weisman did on forensic architecture, yes. where Ayal really pushes the idea of visual analysis to a really interesting limit by way of forensic visual mapping of source of visual analysis of these um, 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 violent zones and uh, Israel, Palestine and Gaza conflict and uses that to produce um, material of the situations and material of the um, production of ignorance or production of denial and makes it visible. And these are tools, kind of then products that he takes, not only this kind of a context like here, discussed by artists, designers and theoreticians, but also to um, policy bodies and legal bodies. Um, and that's to me the really interesting thing that, you know, how to bring stuff on a forum that is significant on the level of global civil societies or local decision making and showing that, you know, look, I've got this concrete thing, here's the map, this shows you on based on an empirical basis um, what's going on. That sort of work is really fascinating as well. And I think in Burak Arikhan's work, there's similar kind of a possibilities and there's been used as well in terms of like um, producing quite tangible data and tangible mapping, not just visualizations, but mapping um, that, that are, that are, um, that are, good interfaces for us. I was very impressed with uh, with forensic architecture mm. uh, presentation, but also kind of surprised uh, by the effort and the amount of effort and resources that they uh, that this uh, team is putting into mm. gathering that data and facts and information on particular uh, war crimes mm. against Palestine people mm. during that war, mm -hmm. and I couldn't stop by thinking: mm. Is there any going to be a, a, a political or situation mm. or space in which those evidence, because they gather evidence mm. to present them in court, I guess mm. uh, eventually, mm. is it? if we're ever going to reach that moment when they're actually going to be able to use it, not mm. only to raise public awareness, mm. but to point uh, mm. certain people, certain institutions, mm. Uh, mm. and um, actually you know, punish them for, for, for those crimes. Well, you're pointing out a really good issue there. I mean, and, and, and I think it was raised in the discussions afterward as well that a lot of these situations in which war crimes might are happening are really happening like in 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 occupied uh, in, in Gaza and other places uh, but also in national situations like in the US as part of um, putting the hashtags black lives mm -hmm. matter and other contexts or then the situations in Syria and also then situations of what is happening in terms of um, refugees in Europe um, they are yeah, situations that are perhaps now mapped also by way of these visual and technological means, but at the same time there needs to be an awareness that these are 
social situations in which it is systematically produced that there is as little as possibility for a critical voice or actually raising awareness of this in terms of, 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 of these excluded or minorities or let's say dispossessed people anyway. And this is the dilemma of how do we then tackle the systematic production of this denial. This is a big issue. It's and sometimes these concrete entry points help and they might be they might be useful as design strategies that trigger new situations and that's why um, I think it's necessary and yet at the same time it's not going to be the only solution that we're kind of based on the idea that and this is IL is completely aware of this he's not naive at all um, that you know that we should just bring evidence and then everything's going to be fine we know that um, there's a lot of um, jurisdiction in these situations that is already systematically flawed and uh, is is struggling uh, trying not to take into account this evidence so it's the kind of accountabilities of the evidence itself which kind of becomes a question and other sorts of layers of layers of denial for instance that are the issue but that shouldn't stop us and become only anxious and panicky it should be something we address bit by bit as well mm -hmm. I uh, I want to go back to mapping for mm. uh, for a while. Uh, I dare to say that uh, mapping maps and the cartography has been a, a hot topic for mm. for last years in uh, humanities. Mm. There's been an um, increasing interest uh, in mapping in digital humanities, mm. cinema, media, mm. big data. There's been a views of maps in almost mm. every every possible field. I was uh, since you've been talking about uh, digging, uh, mining, excavating mm. data mm -hmm. and and that uh, notion of deep time, yeah. how do you conjoin it with uh, this idea of mapping as flattening the mm -hmm. our object of, of interest? Mm -hmm. It's very good. Again, it's a very kind of acute perception because it is really that we have this kind of a flatness of the maps that at least is almost intuitive. And at the same time, we've we map depths, we map deepness, we map skies, we map space. This manner in which maps very concretely um, are mapping volumetrics as in you know whether it's undergrounds or then other sorts of spatial situations because maps are entry points they become essential in how we power operates anyway because it enables you to pinpoint by defining areas you're already targeting them whether you're targeting in the military sense or whether you're targeting in the um, sense of resource extraction so these two go together quite nicely actually depth you map also not only surfaces, but the whole world be can become a map in the sense, at least in a kind of an expanded sense as well. Um, so geographical multiplicities also become part of this sort of a map would be one way of understanding it. Um, this is again the thing is that I'm not saying that everything is a map, but it's one way of understanding how um, epistemologies, as in our knowledge about the world, is completely political anyway is completely part of a political regime of visuality. Hence, again, as many smarter people have said many times before me, politics starts with aesthetics. The ways in which we see, the ways in which we're trained to see, the tools by which we see, and the environments or the media environments in which we are made to see. So of course not only about seeing, but visual is one dominant way of kind of a making this understood. I would say that only for strategic uses, sometimes we flatten the world because we want to see it flat, sometimes 
it is enables us to see relations where we don't see relations but we need to have maps also that are able to map the intensities of our relations that sounds a bit philosophical but by that i mean is that there are very qualitative relations that define our you know well whether it's between people between corporations between things mapping my relation to let's say countries i've visited in the past two weeks would give you a very basic graph only it wouldn't tell in terms of the various intensity of the emotions or the affects that i had when i were there that that time i had in place x and the kind of weird stuff that happened there so it's this sort of a work of affective realities as well that define in that sense another reality that is needs to be somehow incorporated it's one reason also why we do conceptual work we are really needing still quite basic humanities conceptual critical theory as well so of, of course there's there's no discussion yeah. about it but map uh, i would say uh, map as a good starting point mm for more research and more conceptual work. And one thing that emerges when you do a workshop with Burak, um, Burak Arikan, is the idea that the map is not just a map that you contemplate and you look at. The map is something that invites to be performed. It invites to be narrated. It comes alive in different situations in different ways. A group of act community activists that are able to use this platform to create something of a map of something that is on at the moment, very specific location. The map becomes part of that situation. It's not an entity in itself only. It becomes defined in relation to the re in, in relation to that way it happens. So there is a specificity of the map that I'm interested in as well. So hence uh, there is specificity of the workshop as a situation, which is, as you kind of already pointed out, it's, it's about the collaborative elements in which it emerges. So that's where it's not just a flat map, it is the environment in which the map becomes one object of, you know, return to transmediale, a conversation piece. And perhaps in that sense it can be an agent. And what agents do sometimes is that they trigger things. And then when they trigger things, things cascade. These are things that are design strategies for activists. This is where my current job at an art school, an art and design school, and my other hat as a media theorist or cultural theorist or whatever you want to name me, they kind of find a common ground. I'm interested in terms of how do you think about political strategies in relation to what we can do in art and design and having a kind of an impact as well in the real world. Thanks so much. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for participating in... Uh, my pleasure. Uh, it's been my pleasure.